thing, right? There's a lot of like, yes, no, good, bad, do, don't kind of stuff, like all or nothing. And I think that's what trips a lot, a lot of people up. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never- My best self is better than every single person who's gonna walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was the moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. My guest today is Emily Wagner. Emily is a registered dietitian as well as nutrition coach and CrossFit athlete. She does a great job at debunking some of the nutrition myths that we see out there on Instagram. I know there's a lot of people out there giving advice, and Emily does a great job of bridging that gap between what a registered dietitian is and how her work is a little bit different. So I think you guys are going to take a ton about nutrition away from this episode. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do as well. I think it'd be cool to just start like with your own personal CrossFit journey. I was looking at your open stats. Like Top 3,000 is pretty oh, good. No. But like to get to that level, you're obviously pretty fit. So what's uh what's been your journey through CrossFit and how'd you get started with that? It's been I always feel like it's been so long, but it really hasn't when I talk to other people and other people are like, I started CrossFit in two thousand nine. I'm like, I was in like sixth grade in two thousand nine. Um uh, how did it start? I dove head first. As soon as I found CrossFit, I was like, Man, this is it. Um it was probably my, it was after my freshman year of college. I had done kind of like the bodybuilding thing for a bit and it was fine, but I wasn't thrilled. I don't know. And just seeing, I think I saw like a couple of YouTube videos of like CrossFit, probably like advertisements or something. Cause they were super like intense. And I was like, man, that looks pretty cool. Um, and I remember sitting in my dorm room, looking up like the affiliates closest to my house that I could check out. Um, and so that summer, I think it was like my 19th birthday that day. I was like, I'm going to start CrossFit. So on my birthday, I grabbed one of my friends who was willing to do it with me and we showed up and did a workout. And then I was like, yep, this is it. A few months later, I was just spending all day there. I wanted to coach. I wanted to compete. I just wanted to be immersed completely. Um, so fast forward a few years, just kind of getting that like general training. I found a gym in college, um, started going there. Um, and then, you know, you drink the Kool-Aid and you're like, okay, what, what more can I do? What's next? Um, so I think I followed some misfit stuff for a while, kind of jumped on and off programs, some, probably some like Invictus, some comp trains and misfit before really kind of settling into, um, my current gyms programming. Cause they offer like your general class. Um, and also some like strength and accessory stuff on top of that. Um, it was really just kind of like an obsession, probably like everyone else. Um, and in college, it's kind of, I was busy, but I was like, I don't care. I, I won't sleep. I'm going to, I'm going to go train, um, which looking back didn't do well, but. Yeah. And I think that's important. Cause I know like a lot of people, sorry, my rice cooker actually is just going off. Uh, I knew it was going to happen like right when we were getting on here. But uh, Air Fryer does it all the time. I'm always like, shit. Yeah, but a lot of people get, you know, you do the wad, you start 
CrossFit with the one workout a day and then like you add in naturally, you add in some accessory work or you add in another Metcon and then you're kind of program hopping and doing three different things at the same time. But, but I think it's important if you just find a program that you like and just stick with that one. Yeah. Yeah. And what made a huge difference for me, honestly, was when I was in college, there were a lot of us there training, but we were all on different stuff. Like some people were on Misfit, some people were on Invictus, some people were on customized stuff. Um, and then I finally moved back home and in my gym where everyone was doing the same thing. And that really made, like I had training partners in college that would do stuff I was doing, but having that big community of people doing stuff and having coaches there who are writing the programming to ask questions or who know you as an athlete to be like, hey, this is a weakness. Should I you know, modify it this way or... How should I approach it if that doesn't necessarily work for me? Um, I'm someone who needs a lot of like hands-on attention. (laughs) So that made a really big difference for me. Do you have any long-term plans to compete? Or I know like you took this year off of the open or at least aren't doing it competitively, but is there anything long-term like you're thinking that you want to qualify for any of these things? Um, I have one competition on the schedule now um, for May, and it's just it's just a local thing just because things have been so weird. Um, but I don't know. I'm kind of in a weird limbo with that, because if you if you follow kind of my journey through CrossFit, all of that training and that obsession kind of did me dirty after a while um, and probably got me to where I am with nutrition right now, because it was a really, a really significant experience for me where I didn't realized that I needed to fuel for what I was doing. I wasn't sleeping. I was following like RP, not eating carbs and training for like three to four hours a day. And that all caught up with me um, a couple summers ago and kind of derailed the aspirations that I had, because luckily I noticed that that was a problem and that that was a red flag. Um, and so I had to pull back for a bit. And then I had some injuries following that that were a result of that underfueling. Um, so that kind of changed my trajectory and I haven't quite figured out, um, what that balance is between enjoying CrossFit and loving training and having fun and it becoming an obsession that can kind of have some, you know, dark undertones, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like the healthiest thing sometimes can be the most unhealthy on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what happened? Like, what was the kind of catalyst that you're like, oh, this isn't right. This isn't how I should be living. Or was there something that you noticed within your body, like changes started to happen? Yeah. Um, it, it happened probably over the course of six to eight months, um, while I was still in school. So I'm also in the military. Um, so when I graduated college, I did ROTC in college, I graduated and then went to like a three, four month long, um, army training in Texas. So um, right before I graduated college, I started noting that my skin was getting a little weird um, and my cycle was becoming a little irregular. And I had a coach at the time. I had a nutrition coach that I told these things. And we were kind of like, okay, let's monitor this and see if it's really anything. Um, And then I, so I graduated and I went to training and I look back on pictures from that training and I had an in-body done, which drives me nuts. I was like sub 9% body fat, which for females is not good, is not healthy. Um, You need anywhere from probably 10 to 14, depending on the individual to have a 
functional hormonal balance and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I had no idea, but anyway, so I was super lean. I was, I was in army training. We were spending weeks in the field and then I was coming home on the weekend and going to the gym and trying to like fit all my training in from that week. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, like I miss my training. I need to get it in. Even though I was, you know, hiking in the woods with a 50 pound backpack for five days and just didn't realize that effect. Um, so flash forward a couple months, I lost my period. I had a really hard time sleeping. I couldn't sleep. I was having, I was relying on way too much caffeine way too long throughout the day. Um, I was having to take naps. I just wasn't, I wasn't me. I kind of was like a shell. Um, and losing my period was really the thing that I was like, oh wait, something's going on. Like that's not great. Um, and that's when I obviously told my nutrition coach and I was like, hey, this thing is going on. Um, I think I need help. I think we need to figure this out. Um, I'm going to dial back training and eat more food. <laughs> Were you studying nutrition at the time as well? I had a degree in nutrition. Um, I had a degree in nutrition. I had my NASM fitness nutrition specialist certification. I had, I was a nutrition coach myself. Um, so kind of embarrassing, but also to say like, we don't have it all figured out. Um, and I'm super grateful for that experience. I think it molded me into the coach that I am today and to be able to be super sensitive to those issues, um, and guide other others through those. Um, but yeah, I, in retrospect, like should have known what was going on. Right. But I just, you know, you can't coach yourself kind of thing. Yeah. You can't give the, uh, the objective look. And I think everybody who's super passionate about something usually has that thing happen where even though at the time, like you're coaching people in nutrition, but maybe your level of passion for it probably grew out of that experience. Like you want to share that after you get through it. And like, you kind of, did you shift your focus, like coaching other people after you came out of that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it took me a while. I kind of was like, all right, let me work through my own shit before I start preaching about this. I think Brene Brown, has a quote about like you need to make sure that you are through what you're going through before you start trying to share that as like guidance for people um so I was like all right you know let me work through this if I have current clients who are dealing with something I can help I you know did a deep dive into what kind of literature I can read what resources are out there what books what podcasts what what instagrammers can I follow who will help me figure out what's going on um and I would say now that, you know, I'm on the other side of that, definitely if, if I see someone or someone messages me who might fall into that category of the overtraining, underfueling, I'm immediately like, hey, like, let's talk or, you know, what are you doing and how can I help? Because I don't want to see you go through what I went through. Um, so it definitely kind of created my niche for me in a way. It's funny. There's like two levels of in the fitness community. A lot of times you see people under eat. That's a big thing, especially females. I would think under tend to under eat and they work out a lot and they're, you know, doing the wad, doing whatever accessory work and not eating enough. And then you have the general population of Americans who just eat way too much. So I'm sure like yeah. does RD and nutrition coach ever kind of split ways where you're you're working with like unhealthy people versus people who are trying 100% to be healthy but not 
kind of going in the opposite direction. Yeah, I think so more in undergrad. Um, luckily, there has been a lot of growth in the registered dietitian community in the past probably 10 years um, as far as um, opportunities and different kind of career paths you can pursue. So yeah, in undergrad, you learn a lot about, you know, clinical things and, you know, working with general populations or a lot in hospitals, people who are already sick. Um, and my thing was always like, I don't want to work with someone who's already sick. I want to work with someone to prevent becoming sick. Um, and so in my own career path, I have pursued the sports side of uh, being a registered dietitian. So I haven't really worked with the general population all that much. We have required uh, rotations we have to do in our internship that are like, um, you have to do a clinical rotation, you have to do a community rotation, but even my like community rotation was at a gym. Um, so I've kind of avoided that side of things because I think there are people who are better qualified um, to help general population or to help people who are trying to navigate their way out of a sedentary lifestyle. Um, I think we all should, you know, pursue what we're best at. And for me, that's just, that's not it. I don't identify with that population very well. Um, so, but when I sit, when I have these conversations with like, especially my athletes, I'm in the gym in their first consult, I open the conversation with, you are an athlete. And a lot of people who just go to a CrossFit gym don't necessarily believe that they are. But when you look at CrossFit and how that's different, I always say, you know, coming to a CrossFit class is different than going to Gold's and doing bicep curls. It just is. It changes your physiology in a different way. It, you know, taxes you differently. It's just different. And for us to act like it's not is kind of irresponsible. Um, so I open that conversation with you are an athlete and we need to fuel and act like one. Um, so I say, you hear things in the media, you hear general nutrition advice, which is geared towards that general population, the whole eat less, move more movement that if taken on as an athlete, if you eat less, move more, you're going to work yourself into a deficit, that underfueling issue. Um, but for someone who is now working from home, right, and slamming takeout and just doesn't understand how important it is to move their body, that eat less, move more is going to help them. Um, so they do butt heads a lot. Personally, I have not had to really navigate uh, the general population side of things. Um, so I don't necessarily feel super torn about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly struggling with that too because I just transferred to working from home. And uh, I used to have, I used to work in a grocery store and I was probably doing 15,000 steps every time I, every time I worked. And now I'm like five kilos heavier <laughs> and I just yeah. like, I was eating more and now I'm obviously, I'm eating less, but also moving less. So, so it's just kind of funny how those two worlds collide. Yeah. And a lot of it also has to do with like removing the stigma that's attached to both of those. Um, I, there's just a lot of like issues with does eating more make me a bad person? That kind of thing. Or does eating less mean that I'm not an athlete? That kind of thing. So like to be able to look at it objectively, which it sounds like you are, I think is where I would love to see most people go. Yeah. And you hop into CrossFit, you start seeing those changes. It gets addicting. Like you, especially if you've never had a healthy lifestyle and you start doing the paleo thing and you start adding in a couple extra workouts a week you start getting the six pack and you're, 
maybe if I eat a little bit less carbs, then I'll look even better. But yeah, yeah. You, you, like you said, you're an athlete and you have to fuel appropriately for those workouts. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say like athletes can't eat too much, but that, that threshold for what is too much is different. And it also, when we talk about strategic, like nutrient timing, are we doing carbs pre and post workout? Like, are we doing, you know, solid portions of protein all throughout the day, that kind of thing um, that matters a little more for someone who's in the gym. Um, it's funny. I saw, I'm in like the Baltimore area uh, CrossFit Facebook group or whatever. And something popped up the other day and someone said, what did they say? They said, has anyone ever joined CrossFit and had trouble losing weight? Which I think is a loaded question to begin with, because that's not, it's kind of vague. Um, and I was like, oh, let me look at these comments. This is going to be interesting. So you open the comments and it's Bob talking about how he's doing intermittent fasting. And it's Sally talking about how she started counting calories. And then it's Jane talking about how she's doing keto and my brain just exploded. And I was like, wow, like this is so hard for people because you hear all of this different stuff. And it's like, where do you start? So of course me, I was like, Hey, <laughs> I'm a registered dietitian who specializes in CrossFit athletes. Um, I didn't lead with that. Of course, I was like, you know, there's a lot of things to consider here. You might be gaining muscle and losing fat. And so the scale isn't moving. You might be under fueling, which is actually going to make it more difficult to lose weight. Um, there are a lot of things at play, but also I'm a dietitian and you should talk to me. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy how and like go to the bookstore and look at the the diet section. There's a million books there. And even I'm thinking about my mom, she's probably not going to listen to this, but she's, she quit sugar. That's been her thing this year. Like she's not having sugar. And I'm like, are you ever going to eat a cookie again? Are you ever going <laughs> to go out to dinner and get a dessert? Like, what does that look like? And I think a lot of times the stigma is that, that I can't eat dessert or I can't eat shitty food. And people kind of think that way and like good food, bad food. And there's just all these misconceptions out there. There's a lot of dichotomous thinking, right? There's a lot of like, yes, no, good, bad, do, don't kind of stuff, like all or nothing. And I think that's what trips a lot, a lot of people up. Like, okay, so sugar, A, how are we defining sugar? Is that added sugar? Does that include fruit? Is that just cookies? Like, what does that mean? And then is there a way that you can get where you want to be without living a quality of life that doesn't include those things? Can we include them less often? Can we choose better quality options? Um, and a lot of that like good versus bad food just creates a lot of issues for people um, that I don't, they're, they have good intentions, but they, it's hard to know how that's going to play out. Is that going to create a dysfunctional relationship with food? Or is that a challenge for you for 30 days to see, do you need that cookie every night? Or is that like a mental thing? So there's so many different like ways to go about it. But the yes, no, good, bad, black, white kind of thing is just, it's not it. Yeah. I think anytime you're, you're cutting out an entire thing and that's like, keto just cut just cut carbs don't eat carbs and then you'll lose a bunch of weight or don't eat for 16 hours a day and i think all of them have their place but it's like yeah oh, are, absolutely. but do you like i want to enjoy my life and i've struggled with food a lot because i would 
I was always in that mindset. Like same with you when you get kind of all in with training and diet and sleep and you're like, I got to sleep my eight hours. I got to eat my meals at exactly this time. It's hard, you know? Yeah. It's, and that's my favorite when I get someone who is like that and there's, they're super stressed out about this thing that was supposed to improve their life, right? You, you join CrossFit, you, you take on a fitness program, whatever you start looking at what you're eating, you're doing all of that to improve your quality of life, right? To live longer, to be healthier, to look better, to feel better. But then that good thing starts to stress you out and it becomes like the opposite. And so saying to people, Hey, like we don't necessarily need to have all these rules in again. It's like not an all or nothing thing. If this works for you, that's great. If it's not, if it's stressing you out, how can we get you to where you want to be in a less in with less pressure or less stress and you know, all of that. So I think that's one of my favorites is to tell someone like this all doesn't matter all that much for you to be super stressed out about it. And there is another way. So what does the initial conversation look like with a client? Say you get a new athlete who's just whatever. We don't have to get into specifics, but like what is kind of your, your wording, like how you talk to clients and how you, you know, develop those like mindset shifts. Yeah. Um, I, so of course they get like a message that breaks everything down of like, this is who I am. This is what you can expect. Here's some ground rules that I have for our relationship. As far as like respect, let's respect each other's boundaries. Let's be honest. I'm here to support you, but I need you to tell me what's going on, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think kind of the, my guiding light and how I interact with most of my clients is these people, you are your own worst critic, right? You, for most people, you are the hardest on yourself. So if I get a check-in where like, okay, you didn't hit your macros perfectly, or, you know, you had one too many beers one night or something like that, I'm not going to be like, hey, you're a shitty person, do better. I'm going to say something along the lines of like, hey, this happened and that's okay. That's life. Why did this happen? Is there something going on that we need to talk about that's not just this isolated incident? And how can we, what can we do in the future to help you make decisions that support you being the person you want to be and feeling like the person you want to be. So that's kind of how I interact with people. It's never like I'm in charge and you're going to do what I say. It's more like, Hey, I'm observing what you're doing and offering you support and guidance and feedback as far as like how to make your own decisions and navigate better within that. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I know that's like a loaded question to ask. Like, what's your process look like with clients? Yeah, <laughs> um, as far as like logistics, though, that's kind of like the, the relationship piece. But as far as like how does so on paper, what does that look like or virtually whatever? Um, when they sign up, they get a an intake questionnaire. And a lot of people are usually like, whoa, because it's pretty lengthy. It's pretty um, thorough. It takes you through you know, medical history, um, weight history, what are you doing currently for nutrition? What are you doing for training? Have you ever tracked macros before? Um, it's got a lot of questions that help me get a better idea of who you are and where you're coming from um, because my approach is gonna be different for everyone. Um, so then I get that intake form, I review it, you know, I reach out to them. 
hey, you know, I got this. Here's some things that we can start talking about, or it sounds like this might be the thing you're struggling the most with. Um, and then the first step is always just let's work on keeping track of what we're eating. I'm not going to hit you with these like protein, calorie, and fat goals immediately because that's a lot for most people. Um, so it's going to be like, hey, let's try tracking. Let's see how that feels. Is that something you can do consistently or does it make you want to pull your hair out? Because if it does, we could try journaling. We could try pictures. Um, but it's just building that awareness around what you're eating right now so that I know what we need to change and where we need to go. Because it's easier to build upon a base than it is just create an entirely new structure. Um, so that's generally what the, what those first steps look like. And then once we get to a consistent place there, um, that's where the magic starts happening of like, okay, we've consistently built this base. Now we can start changing things. Now we can start, you know, working up or working down or doing this or doing that to continue moving you closer to where you want to be. Do you have everyone eventually track macros or is that kind of an individual basis? Um, it depends. Um, most of the clients I work with through my online software do track macros. Um, I personally believe it's, and it's not a forever thing. Um, I try to have everyone track macros at some point, but it's not a forever thing. It's more of a tool to add to the toolbox to a help you make decisions and b build awareness around what are these foods actually made of that kind of thing. Like is a bagel protein or is it carbs? Like you would log it and find out. <laughs> um, so most of my clients, yes, um, my software syncs with my fitness pal and my macros plus, so I can see that. Um, and to me, that's just data. It's not like we are tracking macros to determine if you're doing the, the right or the wrong thing. It's data for me to see, to help you if your goal is to improve and performance and you're eating a very high percentage of your calories from fat, we're going to have a conversation about including more carbohydrates, but it's not, um, it's not like a, I'm doing this wrong or I'm doing this right. It's, it's data. Um, for a lot of the people that I see in person, which are generally people from the local gyms, um, we start out with food journals. Um, a lot of those are like your average everyday gym goers. Um, and so we start out with food journals. It's a little less intimidating. And for me, I can, with that one-on-one, -on -one, that FaceTime experience, I can still sit down with them and go through things and get a very good idea of what they're doing um, without the MyFitnessPal. Um, and that also gives them the opportunity to start building awareness without having to also adjust to using um, a new app or weighing and measuring their food and all of that. Um, so long story short, no, not everyone does macros, but I try to have most people. Yeah, interesting. What's your thoughts on, I was interested to hear you said you look at the macros as data. Do you, are you into like sleep tracking or step tracking, like anything like that? Yeah, um, it varies from person to person, whether they're ready for that kind of thing. Um, but I also think it's negligent to have a conversation about health and wellness and fitness without also looking at things like, sleep and movement and activity and all of that. Um, so for a lot of, so my, my check-in questions include a question about sleep. How was your sleep this week? Um, steps. So if someone has a Fitbit that will automatically sync with their client portal and I'll be able to see each day how many steps they're getting, um, or we can set a habit goal and it's on them to 
tell me if they hit that every day or not. So a lot of my clients will have anywhere from five to 10 K steps per day for habit goals. Um, especially right now when we're at home, um, it's become big for a lot of people. I've actually gotten videos from my clients of them, like pacing around their house, trying to get their steps, which is funny. Um, not the, not necessarily the point, not what I need you to do. Um, but it is something that we have a conversation about for sure. One of the intake questions is how many steps a day do you average? So if someone comes to me and says 2K, I'm going to say, okay, so at some point we're going to, we're going to try to improve that. Um, but it might not be, Hey, right off the bat, I need you to hit 10K steps per day. That's not going to work for them. Yeah. I just asked, cause I just, um, I got the whoop recently and I returned, I literally, I've had it twice. It, this is so stupid, <laughs> but like I had it in 2018 and then I kept seeing the ads on YouTube every single time I opened a video and I'm like, all right, let me get this thing. And it's funny how you, once you start tracking that data and I think steps is a little bit different, but once you're seeing the, on the screen, like how, how well you slept last night and you kind of, it gets in your head. It's weird. It's a weird thing because you're like, Oh, I thought I slept really good. And then it says I spent an hour and 35 minutes awake, even like you don't even know how accurate that is. So you could have slept great and it just had a glitch or whatever. And you're tricked into thinking, Oh, I don't feel that good. Cause my recovery score is low and I didn't sleep that good. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's so funny. I have thought the same exact thing about the whoop. I've never actually pulled the trigger and gotten one. I, I have a Fitbit, but I take it off to sleep because I started getting really bad sleep anxiety. If it wasn't, if I wasn't getting what I needed and then I'm like, Oh my God, if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I can't train. And if I can't train, then I'm not going to be a good athlete. If I'm not a good athlete, then I'm useless. Like, it just creates such a stress response to, again, something that's supposed to be helpful. And then it just gets super, super not. Um, I really, I, there's actually a really great book about that, about how like the wearable technology, like not letting that tell you how you feel and using it as objective data instead. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Unplugged by Dr. Yes. Andy Galpin. A- Andy Galpin. Yep. I read that. Yeah. Have you read and it? Of course, I, I read it and I still got the fucking whoop. I should have done it. <laughs> I mean, no shade on the whoop or anything. I, I get it. It's great. But you have to know how to be objective about it. And it's kind of set up in a way that like, if it tells you your strain score or your readiness or whatever it tells you is not great. And you go into a training session, you're already, you lost half the battle. Cause you're like, uh, like I wasn't, you know, primed anyway. I wasn't in the green anyway, or, you know, that kind of thing. It's, that's so funny. I got into like a pretty heated argument about this a few days ago. Cause I had a friend who just got a whoop. And I'm like, that's great. You know, how are you going to use that to get better? Or are you just going to use it to tell you how you feel? You know, we all know we need to sleep more. <laughs> that's not news. So it's like, how is that going to help you get to where you want to be? Um, that's always my question with it is like, how are you going to use it? Yeah, I like that. I've never thought about that. Like, how are you going to use something to get better? Yeah, I think that's like, interesting. Interesting way of looking at it. I don't, I don't know exactly what else the whoop tracks. I know it tracks like blood oxygenation and can like tell you if you have COVID now or like something ridiculous like that. I've had clients who, I think it like asks you if you drink alcohol or something like that, if you have a particularly shitty night of sleep. And I had a client who had one and was like, yeah, when I drink, you know, my sleep goes to shit, my RHR changes and all of that, but he still drinks. So like, 
Yeah, it's not actually doing anything. It's just giving you data, which is cool, I guess. But like, are you using that? Is that helping you? Or are you just like, eh, look at this. So I don't know. Yeah, it's just there's all these tools out there. And a lot of times I saw on Instagram that you posted the pyramid about yeah. food. And a lot of times it's quality and quantity. And those are the bases. And the sleep tracking, the all these data things that are out there and all these apps that you can download a lot of times it's like are you eating vegetables are you are you getting outside and taking a walk during your work day like do you break that up or are you staring at a screen for eight hours it's like this stuff is not that hard it's not there's no revolutionary answer out there no no it's not and you know people they don't eat vegetables they don't move but they for sure have blue light blockers so they're good and it's like <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it was M2 performance nutrition. Are you familiar with them? Not particularly. No. They, um, they coach a few pretty great athletes. Um, so Mackenzie Riley, who's actually a dietitian as well, which is how I found them. I was like, Oh sweet. Another dietitian who does this. Um, she coaches for them. So I follow them. They post a lot of really great stuff, a lot of pretty like well-researched articles. Um, and it's funny the other day they posted something that it was basically like a pie chart um, of like what you should be focusing on. And they had one for like performance, one for health, one for longevity, one for aesthetics. Um, and all of them are basically like, you know, half and half is not half and half, but you know, like, I don't know. A f I'm not great at fractions. A fourth and a fourth are like sleep and food quantity, right? Like calories. And then you have these little tiny slivers that change based on what your, what your true goal is that are like, you know, all the shit that other people think matter, like nutrient timing and supplements and, you know, sleep tracking and all that crazy stuff. And it really, it's, I think we talked about this last week. It's, it's the basics that really, it's not exciting. It's not sexy, but that's effective. So. I was just talking to that about that with my girlfriend, like telling people, especially like during this time, like telling people to eat healthier foods and get outside and th that's not going to sell like no. you can sell <laughs> the p pill or the next like thing you you can't sleep at night we'll give you this pill and you go to the doctors you're sick you have a sore throat they give you this thing and it's like these long-term the long-term we don't know like what the long-term issues are with that but like eating vegetables walking <laughs> like you if you go to the doctor and they're like yeah well you're probably sick because the last six months like you ate mcdonald's once a week and you're not sleeping well you're drinking alcohol like this is what leads to your sickness like instead we're just like no let's cure this right now yeah let's give you a pill for your high blood pressure and not address all of these other lifestyle factors yeah it's a huge downfall of traditional medicine but Unfortunately, yeah. that's the world we're in. <laughs> we digress. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I arrest my case. <laughs> what about like habits and because food isn't the only thing. So like, what do you, what do you have people do as far as morning routines or just general habits throughout the day to get healthier? Yeah, it really, it really depends person to person. Um, kind of, we already have covered most of like the basic ones as far as um, steps, sleep, generally seven to eight hours. Um, for a lot of people, we have, uh, hydration goals. So for a lot of them, we'll say anywhere from, I ask them, Hey, how many, you know, ounces, let's track this week. How many ounces you're currently 
drinking per day. And then, you know, let's build upon that. So it usually ends up anywhere from 80 to 120 ounces of water per day um, for most people. For some, I have habit goals that are take 10 minutes for yourself today or, you know, practice a journaling bedtime routine. Um, a lot of things that you hire someone as a nutrition coach and you're like, okay, we're going to talk about food. And that's like half, maybe half of what we talk about. And the rest is all these other habits. Um, but yeah, so a lot of the times it's some sort of de-stress, sometimes like stress management or, um, down regulation routines at night or, um, what else do we usually talk about? A lot of times you talk about eating at consistent intervals. Um, cause a lot of people, when they struggle to hit their targets for calories, especially someone who's been under eating, it's because they are skipping breakfast or not eating after their workout or something like that. So a lot of times we'll talk about, um, you know, three meals and two snacks throughout the day, um, or whatever works for their schedule. Um, Fiber is a big one. That's kind of something I state in my intro of like, hey, let's aim for 25 to 35 grams a day. Um, so that's one that takes people some work usually. Um, what else do we do? Those are generally the basics. Um, sometimes I'll use habit goals to set minimums for people. Um, so kind of like that all or nothing mentality of like, oh, if I don't work out five days a week, I'm useless. Um, for a lot of people, if they're in a busy season of life, let's set some bare minimum so that you feel successful. And then anything on top of that is just bonus points. It's just extra. So like, let's say a minimum of three workouts this week, 30 minutes each. And that's achievable for, I want to say a hundred percent. I say everybody, I'll say it. <laughs> Someone would argue with it. I will say everyone. I think it's achievable. My boyfriend just ruptured his Achilles and did a 45 minute workout today. Like don't argue with me. Um, but I think that's you will for everyone, but it helps to take off some of that pressure of like, okay, I have to work out five days a week for an hour. Like maybe that's not realistic for you right now. Um, so a lot of times we use habit goals to just set those minimums for people if they're in a season where they need that. Yeah. I like that. The habit goals. And do you have people write stuff down is are you a big proponent of like having people actually you know have a checklist or have something to stay accountable that way or at least they're doing check-ins as well yeah so in their weekly check-in it populates kind of like a a day-by-day -day checklist um for your habits so say we had 100 ounces of water and 10k steps as your habit so it will Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you have a little box that you can either check or you can X or you can skip. Um, so a check tells me that you completed that and X tells me that you did it. And a skip tells me that it was not applicable. Um, so I see that on their feet, on their check-in form each week. If I see, you know, across the board, we've got green check marks. We're doing great on our habits. If I see across the board, red X's, we need some help. Um, if it's a little bit of each, it's probably something we're just working on and need to be more consistent with. Um, so that keeps people accountable usually. Um, and they have to, so they log into the software each day to check that off. Um, but I also recommend using, I'm a, I'm a big like paper and pen person. Um, so I like checking things off on a calendar or, um, I use the, the five minute journal. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Um, so I will kind of try to keep track of things in there. I'll put little like check boxes for myself. My five minute journal is like a 15 minute journal because I add a million things to it. 
Um, but so I, I usually recommend like, hey, if you wanna write this down and not log into your software every day, that's totally fine too. Just keep track of it at the end of the week. Yeah, I think it's huge when you actually get stuff written down and you can see it because if you're if you're kind of like mentally checking it you could there it's so easy to be like oh well you know i don't i don't have to do this but when you see it on paper and you're like oh i said i was going to do this and i i did it once this week instead of doing it the five times i said i was going to do it yeah yeah there's something i think have you ever read atomic habits by james clear yeah i have that's been brought up on the podcast a bunch Oh, I'm sure it's incredible. And I think there's something in there about the power of writing things down. For me, I like, if I put a checkbox and write what I wanted to do, oh, I'm like, I just want to check that box. I, I don't care what it is. It could say, you know, pet the dog. I want to check that box. So I'm going to go pet the dog. Um, so I do think there's a lot, a lot of power in that. Unfortunately, I think that gets taken away from a lot with like apps and things. Um, we're constantly like tapping things on our phones. So what's one more, um, but they're writing things down. I still have a paper calendar. I've really tried to use Google calendars. I just, it's great. It's organized, but I'm like, I just, I don't feel committed. I need to write things down. Yeah. You, you need to have that. Yeah. I think that's good. Like what, what do you do personally? I think we can get into like the general stuff, but you have a lot going on. You're in the military. <laughs> thank, thank you for your service. Thanks. But uh, yeah. So you have a lot going on. Like how do you take care of yourself personally? <sighs> It's always changing. Um, over the past, I don't know, two or three years, I think I've moved six or seven times across the country a couple times. Um, so, and again, I'm like appreciative of that experience because it helps me help other people navigate change. Um, so like right now I'm in a bit of a transition. Um, my National Guard unit has been activated to support in the vaccination efforts. Um, and I am overseeing a couple of those vaccination sites. Um, so I am now full-time military, but previously I was the Olympic nutrition sports fellow for University of Maryland. Um, so I was working with athletes down there. Um, so anyway, so schedule change and kind of just like, I'm in that phase where I'm giving myself the grace to figure it out um, setting a lot of those like minimums, like, okay, I don't know if I have time in the morning or at night or like what this is going to look like. Um, and so kind of just giving myself the grace to say, here's, here's the minimum, right? Let's work out four times this week for an hour. If we get anything above that, great. If not, it's fine. Um, I have that five minute journal that I like to use in the morning to just kind of take a second and get centered. Um, it's funny, my boyfriend actually made a comment to me because I took it to work. Um, I was like, oh, I have an office now. I'm going to all, you know, I work out in the morning. I'll go in, I'll get ready. I'll sit down. Ever since I took it to work, it doesn't get done. And you wonder why. <laughs> if you don't carve that time out for you, it doesn't happen. And so even me, like, I was like, oh, I'll get it done. And I didn't because you take it into an environment where other people are demanding your attention. Um so, and then as I'm kind of considering getting back into the competitive fitness space, just trying to do more, taking care of myself, just general like stretching, mobility, power dot, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'll try to, I was in a really good place doing that on a daily basis when I was in a really consistent schedule. Um, but since, since things have changed, it's kind of like, okay, let's try to do this three times a week and we'll call that good and hopefully get better from there. Um, 
And then I think for me, one of my biggest forms of self-care is having a nutrition coach and having a check-in each week. Um, I remind my clients this all the time, having prioritizing good nutrition is a very, very strong form of self-care. Um, it does not have to be this like, oh, I'm doing this to be disciplined and to be better and to be a better athlete and all that stuff. That stuff is great. Ultimately you're taking care of yourself. Um, for just for the sake of, you know, being happy and being healthy and not for any sort of like external goal. Um, so for me each week, my check-in is on Sundays. So I have to do it when I get off of here. Um, but it's kind of just, as I'm checking in with my coach, I'm also checking in with myself. Like how was my week? How was my performance? What did I struggle with? What am I proud of? That kind of stuff. Um, so for me, that's a huge form of self-care. That's awesome. I, I just think it's so cool how there's coaches for literally everything out there, like relationships, nutrition, you can get a CrossFit coach, like anything that you want to get, there's experts out there. And I just think, I think the podcast is a cool way to kind of bring together all these people because there's so many knowledgeable people that have great messages to share that we need to listen to like we can't be an expert in everything so leave it up to the hands of somebody who is who's done the education who's done the research and kind of taking that stuff off your plate i think will definitely be beneficial for people yeah and i think it's important to kind of like be willing to own what you don't know like i keep toying around with the idea of like getting a business coach because let's be honest i've been shooting from the hip for the past couple years like it's just something that is kind of worked out for me, but at the same time, like realizing, okay, I'm not a professional in business. I don't actually know what I'm doing as far as like, you know, what is a great marketing strategy and things like that. Um, and I think that applies to everything, you know, um, all the way from Olympic lifting to nutrition, to relationships, having the humility to say, I'm not great at this. I'm going to listen to someone who is, um, that's like the first step in all of it. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think the key is that you got started too. You didn't just say, oh, well, I'm not an expert in this, so I can't do it. You said, let me try it out and I'll just roll with it as long as I can. And then when I need it, then I'll go to somebody else for help. But instead of like not saying, oh, well, I don't have a degree in marketing, so I can't start that Instagram page or I can't start whatever. I think a lot of people, that's where they get tripped up instead of just starting and being like, no, I'll, when I can get the resources, I will. You know, the anecdote for that is, is following a bunch of people on Instagram who have zero credentials and zero <laughs> expertise and being like, you know what? I could do this better than they are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fo I think following people is definitely important. Like who you see on your feed. If you're on Instagram and you're getting pissed off every day, like it, it's the same thing that tools can be negative like yeah. going on instagram if you're seeing people who just want to spark outrage and it, yeah. a lot of people do right now but uh yeah i think who you follow is important and is there anybody in the fitness community that you think people should follow if they don't maybe know about them Ooh, so many um my area of expertise is nutrition so that's it's kind of a complicated relationship because my feed, my personal feed is flooded with nutrition coaches, which I feel is probably not the greatest, but also something I have yet to really clean up because I really love a lot of them. 
Um, but it's hard to share your own message when you're constantly hearing other people. Um, people who do have really great messages on Instagram though. So Katie, um, obviously. So Katie Poborowski, who is the owner CEO of Functional Nutrition Fitness. Um, I worked with them for a while and Katie really helped shape who I am as a professional um, and as a coach, a lot of the mindset stuff. Um, she's incredible. Um, also another Kate, Kate Lyman. Um, she's at KLN Nutrition. Also a lot of really great mindset stuff, um, really balanced approach. Um, I could, I feel like I could go on forever. I'm trying to think outside of my uh, nutrition niche, um, but I feel like that's what people need. So there is there's also um, Bethany Taylor. I Bethany Cora Taylor might be her full like Instagram handle. Um, another one, great nutrition content, but also a lot of great mindset stuff. Um, I think those are the three that I would stick okay. with. As being, That's like, fair. That's probably fair. the most people. similar to what I identify with. Um, as far as like helping people who are potential her, you know, potentially have a negative relationship with food or struggling with perfectionism or things like that. Um, M2 performance nutrition. I mentioned them earlier. They're a really great kind of like objective source. Like I said, they do a lot of really great uh, research review, which as a uh, professional with a science degree, I really appreciate that. A lot of people are just talking and don't have the facts to back it up. Um, so they're a great one to follow. Um, yeah, I think that's probably where I would leave that. Very cool. And where can people go to if they want to follow you? Me? I just updated my Instagram handle, so I'm super excited. <laughs> uh, all I did was add the RD to it, um, kind of just because I wanted people to know who I am and that I am a professional and have the degrees and licenses and certifications to back all of what I say up. Um, but I am at mswags.rd. Cool. Well, Emily, this was really fun. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. Once again, thanks so much to Emily for coming on the podcast. I really appreciated the conversation with her. If you guys want to go follow her on Instagram, that is linked up in the show notes. And I'm just going to ask one favor of you guys this week. If there's one thing that you can do for me, if you've been enjoying the podcast for any length of time, just share it out on your Instagram story and tag both of us. That is the biggest thing that you can do this week. So thank you guys week in and week out for the support. I really appreciate all the listeners and the feedback, and I will talk to you guys on the next one.